Shazam! Shazam! <laughs> Shut up and sit down. Go outside. See those kids? They're having the time of their lives riding their bikes. They know what's up. I ride my bike. I ride my bike all around. Yes, I do. Your addiction gets worse. You spend less time at work doing work and more time looking at bikes. I ride by all my friends and I wave hello. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Contrary to popular belief, owning a bike doesn't make you a cyclist. You have to ride it as well. Oh, my bike is very good. Become obsessed with your bike. Fixate over specs, head angles, and weird things like tire so I better have my helmet on. It's time to ride your brand new bike. It's so much fun just pedaling up and down. Yeah. One day you see a press release for a brand new bike. It's like yours, but 15% lighter, 35% stiffer, and it's red. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Von During, and today I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance, here for your viewing pleasure. Are you sure about that? Uh, look at how pretty I am. Look at how pretty this is. <laughs> Good thing, good thing some people are watching or not watching this, but <laughs> Nobody, listening to it. Nobody's watching. <laughs> Everybody's listening. Sorry. Nice. Um, today, over the interwebs, we've got teammate Chris Surratt. How are you, Chris? Hey, I'm great. Good. Still, Still no tagline, tag but, but I'm working on it. No shiny intro yet? <laughs> I'm going to get one for you, Surratt. Oh. And then live in the studio with us today, we've got another teammate, the one, the only, Ian Gibson. What's up, Ian? How did I get roped into this? <laughs> <laughs> I just stopped by to pick up a tire. <laughs> Ian, sit down. Put these headphones on. Put these headphones on. <laughs> We're going to talk about some stuff. You know how this all goes, though. You've got your GCN shirt on. You've seen these little podcasts live streams. Yeah, look at that. Stelvio Pass. Stelvio. Let's get right into it. Let's do some backpedaling. We've got two people here who raced today and then two other people who didn't. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with you, Chris. But want you backfill. Uh, sure. sure. Uh, I... Uh, Went, went out, out to, to Echo, Echo Oregon, did, did a little mountain bike, bike racing. Yeah. Um, kind, kind of the first race on the Oprah calendar, calendar. and it, it was a blast. A uh, bunch, bunch of dialed teammates showed up. Um, we had I 13. raced really hard. Yeah, 13 dialed yeah. teammates raced this weekend at that race. That was fun. Was what, awesome. What category did you race in? So no, I, I unfortunately raced Cat 1, 19 to 44. So I got, got my, my butt, butt handed, handed to me by, by a bunch, bunch of kids. This <laughs> <laughs> is a hard category. Yeah. But had a blast. Got to see Lance out there doing his thing. Got to ride with my kid. It was a great weekend. It was a good time. Which one of the kids came out and raced? Was it, or was it both of them? Uh, junior raced. Junior raced. Did he have a good time? He finished. He finished. <laughs> I I noticed that the later in the day it got, the windier it got. Did that affect? Because those kids races or those younger races were later in the day. Did it affect things? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that last, last hill coming, coming up out, out of the trailhead was painful. I, I, I followed, followed him out, and it was. <laughs> I, I, I felt <laughs> for him. He was feeling it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very cool. Mr. Hepler, you want to backpedal? You want me to go? You, well, I'm going to go with the two guys who raced first because that's more interesting, right? 
<laughs> I I had a blast this weekend. I I've this has been a fairly hard week for me. I've been dealing with back issues all week, and uh, been having like sciatica problems all week. I haven't been able to stand very well or walk very well without pain. That's not fun. <laughs> and so I'm not really sure where that's coming from. If it's coming from the overexertion of the Shasta gravel race a couple weeks ago, it's probably where it's coming from. But um, or it's just because I'm old and broken. Because that is also <laughs> true. I'm old and broken. But I did. Uh, I showed up at the uh, Echo race. Um, I raced the the uh, 50 to 59 category. Um, it is a category two division. Um, I caught many uh, sandbagging comments while I was lined <laughs> up in the start shoot. But it's it's hard for me because there's not the the category one. The category one old guy division is 45 and up. Yeah. And so there isn't like a 50 division, and I was not feeling that well. I also went to the race organizer and says, hey, can I move to the cat one? And they're like, no, this is all kind of set, so we're not changing categories. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to catch some hate for racing in the cat two, 50 to 59. And I did, but (laughs) it was okay. Um very cool course. Echo is a fantastic course. There's there's 17 miles of single track, and um, I just just to kind of lay out how this story goes because it it was interesting this year. There was a remote start and a remote finish. We didn't start and finish in town because of COVID restrictions. They didn't want groups gathering at the finish line, and so there was a neutral rollout. Our group had 50 people in it, so there were 50 50 year olds who were racing and we had like a two mile neutral rollout and everybody we didn't have a car fault you know leading us out we just had to okay you we we kind of roll easy until you get to the be on your best behavior yeah timing mat and as soon as as soon as we start we roll out somebody's like hepler you should be 20 yards off the front and i'm like i'm good right back here you guys and they're all what are you doing in this race anyway you jerk <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was uh, whatever. So, we we roll up the hill on the gravel road. We cross the timing mat, and sure enough, two guys just kind of took off. And my plan was we, we had like a mile and a half before we hit the single track section. Mm-hmm. And then it was 17 miles of single track. So, not real easy to pass. And... I had talked over strategy with a teammate quite a bit beforehand. Uh, Terry Hamness and I were both kind of gunning for the uh, podium in this race. And so we're like, okay, we need to be at the front or near the front when we go into the single track. And we crossed the timing mat. We turned towards the single track. We've got about a half mile to go. And I just goosed it as kind of as hard as I could for like 30 seconds. And... I immediately gapped everybody and passed the two guys who went out in front of me. So I hit the single track with about a three-second lead over the guy behind me. There was one guy in my category who beat me last year at Sister Stampede. And so we were both eyeballing each other and joking with each other and messing with each other, you know, because that's what we do. His name's Court Johnson. He's from Bend. He races for 10 Barrel Racing. And uh, so we knew we were both kind of had our eyes on each other. But I made it to single track first, and that was pretty much the race <laughs> right there. So 17 miles, 
Um, I ended up uh, winning by about four minutes, so I just... Oh, only four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was an hour and a half long race. Yeah. It was like a 90-minute race, and uh, I just kind of extended my lead. I ended up... I, I passed so many people because there were waves ahead of us that started like five minutes ahead of us or 10 minutes ahead of us, and I kept passing people from previous waves. Everybody was really cool about getting over and letting us kind of cruise sure. by which was nice of course i was i was like hey i can't sneak up on anybody i breathe so loudly that they <laughs> could just true yes, i'm coming up with people people are turning around who is dying back there oh he's actually catching me so uh but yeah i ended up uh yeah winning so hooray. Hey. <laughs> and this is my uh prize the uh, coveted black echo red to red cowbell so I got one of those. It's, I think it's blue, though. I think Chris got the, the black one in that race. Chris I got, got the black, black one. Chris yeah. tanned me in my backside in that race pretty good. <laughs> so That was a couple of years that ago. That was though. fun. That nice. Was, that was my race. Just out of curiosity, in the cat once, how many 50-year-olds were out there? I know that you told me earlier when we were not on, on uh, the whole podcast thing and whatnot that there was a couple guys that you know who are super strong and fast that were racing in that, that cat one, 45-plus. But how many 50-year-olds were actually in that race? There were about six six or six ish and none of those how do i say this i don't think are a threat to me like you can hang with those guys or beat them like yeah that's there's there's a couple of 45 year olds that um i i have now no shot the cat one's a longer race too i think your race was about 20 ish miles it was 20 20 ish miles in the in the cat one race what was it like 20 uh 28 28 Yeah, it yeah, was another thousand, thousand feet of climbing. climbing. They had two extra loops and and another thousand feet of climbing. Now, have you gone back and taken a look at all of the results? And you can't compare the two based on lap times because it's just a longer race. But yeah. if you kind of like guesstimated where you possibly would have finished at in the Cat Ones, uh, I probably would have been the top five. That's not too bad. Yes, yeah. I probably would have been the top five in the Cat Ones. There's there's a guy who came out from Boulder that um, I probably wouldn't have beat. There's a local Portland guy named Jeff Rice who just turned 45, and he is a super strong beast cyclocross rider. I would not have been anywhere near him. Gotcha. Uh, and another guy, John Weathers, I have traditionally not beat him either, so I'd, I'd have been top four, top five maybe if I was Cat 1. That's pretty solid. So, But you're going to stick with the Cat 2s, right? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know. I need to help. I need advice. Some people tell me, dude, you you quit racing with us. Go race with those guys. And other people say, don't go until they make you go. Including race promoters. Including some race promoters have told me. There really, there really isn't a good Cat 150s category in Oregon, so just sure. so just stay there. Yeah. So Better I, get younger. Yeah. <laughs> So, Ian, you showed up today to buy a tire. You get to backpedal, too. So, yeah. it's like buy one, get one free today. Right. So, your backpedal. You get to tell us about your past week, how it's been, what's been up to. Well, you haven't done any racing this past week, but did you go out and do Savvy? I did ride Salvi, Salvi World, as it's called now, um, yesterday. Got my butt handed to me. But, <laughs> that's um, kind of like an unofficial race. So, that that's why you yeah, get to go before me here. It's like race practice every Sunday, right? It's as close as you're going to get to a road race around here without pinning a number on. It's full on. And it's how, yeah. ma- how many people were there yesterday? It was a pretty big group yesterday. I would say there's 15, 20 guys. Oh, fantastic. Pretty yeah, good. Okay. It was yeah. good turnout. Yeah. yeah. Mostly POA guys? 
Yeah, mostly uh, Pacific office automation guys. Uh, some really strong oh, heavy yeah. hitters. Yeah, Rob, Rob Tornai was out there. Yep. He lit it up. And uh, yes, for the first time ever, I got dropped off the back. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I failed. Well, that's, you got to take a look at your training cycle where you're out with all of that fun yeah. stuff because that's not your MO. You're usually right there mixing it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm used, and and it wasn't a complete disaster yesterday. I mean, I did get dropped, um, but it gave me a chance to work on some <laughs> chasing drills, <laughs> prolonged <laughs> threshold oh. work, <laughs> which is good because uh, the first race I have booked this year is a time trial in about three weeks' time. Sweet, okay. so that was just a kind of um, training I needed. So I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't plan it that way. <laughs> right on. But aside from that, uh, I uh, spent a lot of time last week pedaling, going nowhere in my hotel room in Seattle on Swift because that's what you do. That's what that's I. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. That work assignment is finished, so I'm all done with hotels in Seattle. Sweet. Um, which good. That was getting old. Good, good, good. And then Saturday I was out training. Uh, I got very, very wet. Uh, Pacific Northwest. March. Yeah, it kind of dumped here on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad day. You know, what's funny is I did a gravel ride with some of the team, and mm-hmm. um, I didn't think about it. I didn't even, I, don't know, I didn't notice this rather until I got home, but you you get out of your gear and whatnot, and I was taking my shoes off, and I just set them in the, the car nicely, and then I get home, I'm like, oh, they're kind of damp to go. I need to go put these on the shoe dryer. Yeah. I go to put them on. The first one's fine. The second one, I turn it upside down to go slide it on there, and probably about a third of a <laughs> cup of water came out of it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize there was that much water in there. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. Wow, good times. <laughs> Anything else you're, uh, you're wanting to tell us about this past week? Anything cool going on? We're going to get into you a little bit more once we no, uh, jump into our topic. Don't think so. Cool. That's my life, working, yep. sleeping, <laughs> riding my bike. Yeah. My backpedal wasn't uh, anything illustrious to talk about, no races, um, other than we did start up our weekly Wednesday rides, the, yes. the Wednesday night flogging. We're and calling it the Wednesday night flogging, courtesy of... Who was that, Carlos? Carlos, yeah. I think Carlos threw yeah. that out there. It's kind of funny because I just used that in a, a, an Instagram post a couple days later, and, and he brought that up. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, why didn't I not think of that? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> we could all use a good flogging. Exactly. Definitely. It was, uh, there was many, much <laughs> flogging that yes. happened. What did we have, like 20 people that came? About that, yeah. We had yeah. an A group and a B group, and each of them had about 10 people. Yeah. So it was well attended. And it looks like there's going to be a bunch more people coming out this week already, which wow. is great. My my normalized power, when we got to the, the halfway point, it's just a little bit past the halfway point. My normalized power, when we stopped to meet up with those guys after, how many miles was that maybe? That's like 12, 15, 15 miles It was close in. to 360 <laughs> watts for my normalized power. <laughs> you and were thoroughly flogged. <laughs> exactly. And then by the time we got back, once we like finally just like settled down, I think that um, I finished the ride with like my normalized power being at like 345. And then by the time oh I got home, gosh. it came down to like 330 after you and I kind of cooled down. We, we tried to cool down at yeah. the end. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good flogging. That so. was that was a ton of fun. There yeah. was many sprints and lots of long lead outs and it was uh, it was it was a good time. I so. show up to that. Yeah. It was fun. Um and then we did the gravel ride on Saturday and that was just beautiful. I don't even remember what the, the ride was called or what the, the areas were. I, I Pumpkin Ridge was in there somewhere. That was like the only road segment, but that was still a beautiful road that I'd never climbed before. That's, that's a great climb. Yeah, and then smoke the, something and another 
Dutch something hill. I don't know. They've got all these names for everything. I just haven't memorized it yet because that was the first time I did it. That was fun. Got my, my backside handed to me a little bit by a bunch of lightweights on the climbs, but fun otherwise. Owen oh, Lance, the Urs, descends so fantastically He's well. much better with that that uh, bigger chain ring on it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. That, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if the guys were just kind of taking it easy, but they didn't keep up. <laughs> Not the, on the descents. Descents, Yeah. No way. Not you, and especially on that bike. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. Cool. Um, How about some Patreon news updates? I think we're going to do another Patreon. Do you want to go grab that little jar of Patreon stuff? Because um, we've got a bunch of stuff in that bin, and we still need people to come by and pick up their stuff. And um, for those of you who are wondering what Patreon is, that's just a way of you helping to support the podcast and the live stream here. Um, If you want to become a patron, and then we put your name in this little jar and we do drawings. And then there's other little things that you can read about for the different Patreon levels that you can can, uh, uh, get involved with. Um, We're going to let Ian pull a name out of here. And somebody's going to be able to pull uh, some item out of this grab bag box thing. Hopefully it's not another Champ Bailey or... uh, Who is it? I gotta read it, Austin. Is that Austin Ailing? Austin Ailing. Uh, Austin. Austin there Ailing. You go, buddy. You are the uh, the winner today. You get to come down and you get to pull something out of that grab bag. There's all kinds of stuff in there. There's water bottles. I think there might be some socks in there. There's a T-shirt in there. There's just a bunch of different things to choose from. So if you want to come down and pull one out, that is yours. For those who want to become a Patreon or um, wanting to possibly support the show, you can go to dialpodcast.com. On that landing page, you will see a little link there for Patreon. You can go pick something out that works well for you. And we really greatly appreciate all of our Patreons, including yes. the guy that we're looking at who's joining the podcast today chris Serrett is actually one of our patrons <laughs> he is one of our patrons you, we should have pulled his Happy name out <laughs> cool um champ here i'm all about having fun you know get a couple of cocktails in me you drinking cocktails now champ i got lacroix you go to sea world lacroix i put your pants back on man uh, put your pants back on how about some lead out news man tell us about what's going all on. right champ bailey here little, little monument race this past weekend there was one the first monument happened this last weekend uh milan san remo it is yeah. a gigantic long 300 kilometer race how many miles is that? It's like 170 something, isn't it? 180. Yeah. yeah. 180. Every mile of it was televised. Yes, every mile of it was televised. Hours. It six was and a half hours. It was 6 hours of boredom and then 30 minutes of excitement because <laughs> <laughs> not a whole lot happened. Uh, but it ended up being very very exciting at the end. Um the uh the winner was quite unexpected. Can I just put a pen in this whole thing for one second? No. Scott Troutman sends me a text when I'm getting in the car to go to this <laughs> gravel ride on Saturday. And he's like, hey, do you want any uh, race spoilers? I'm like, no, don't spoil it. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so he texts me back and says, great race. I won't spoil it. Um, you and I, Ewan, like Caleb Ewan, you and I both know who would win. <laughs> I think they got too pinkocky. You gotta be kidding me! Scott. It's a wout time, wout time, <laughs> to see who the MVP is. I'm Alaphilipping out here. It doesn't Vander matter who won. <laughs> He's killing me, Smalls. So okay, no shout out to Scott. That was that was well played. The nice big, one. the big selection point happens on the Poggio, which is one short like five minute climb, which is right near the end. I don't know what is it like ten kilometers from the end or something. I think it's very close to like ten or twelve kilometers from the end. Yeah, and yes, all those people were in that move. Um, Matthew Vanderpool, Alaphilippe, uh, Caleb Ewing. Um, uh, who else was in there? Uh, 
Jasper Steuven, Wout Van Aert, Peter Sagan. There were a lot of big names in there. Um, so the surprising name in there was that Caleb Ewan stuck with everybody. They said he climbed decently well. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a, he's kind of a, he's a little guy, but, but that's not his muscle not fiber his, type. No, yeah. but he made it over the podio with the group. Um, Alaphilippe kind of made a hard effort, and Vanderpool pulled him back in, and then they kind of were all looking at each other, and with about two and a half k to go, at almost at the bottom of the podio, Jasper Steuven from. How, am I saying his name right? Steuben? Steuben? Sure. From Trek Circuit. From, from Trek. He bangs off the front with two and a half K to go. He just takes a flyer. He looks around the group and says, I'm not beating any one of these people yeah. in a sprint. I'm going right now. Yep. And so he goes. No, They let him go because it's, it's Jasper. Just let him go. <laughs> so they're all kind of eyeing each other, and uh, he held him off for the win by... Meters. There was, if there that. was one guy came across to him, though. Who was that? Was, and that was key. Yes, one guy came across, and so he got some rest because yeah. they traded poles a little bit. And then right as the group started to sprint for the end with 100 or 200 meters to go, Jasper also was able to sprint, and he just held him off. So big surprise, won by Jasper Steuben. I love it. <laughs> It's nice to see that these guys are also worried about like the other people that they're around. Yes, that yeah, they let that guy get away. I've seen that happen in races before. Yeah. Kind of, it's it's much smaller, but everybody's worried about one guy, and then I don't know. Well, when you look at the composition of the group, there was just there was chasing. There was there was no no team represented. No, everybody was on their own. Everybody was on their own. Nobody had that a was lead a out. Perfect guy. situation for the guy that off the front. Yes. Nobody, nobody wanted to bring the others up. Yeah. Correct. Because if he perfect, if somebody else had gone really hard, they would have just pulled them all together, and then yeah. the sprinter wins it, which would have been Ewan most likely. Yeah. So. Cool. Crazy. Anything else happened in the world of cycling that you want to? Um, there is talk that Perry Roubaix may not happen. Really? Yes. It may not happen. It's a monument that is in France, and that area is going back into lockdown, apparently, according to Velo News. Huh. So that that race is in jeopardy. Any possibility that they could push it off into the fall? I don't know. The fall calendar is jacked again, so it's, it's possible. Well, but you got the Olympics and all that other stuff, too, so it correct. screw things up. No, that would be unfortunate. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Champ Bailey out. <laughs> Thank you, Champ. <laughs> all right. That's enough of all that stuff. The minutia's done and out of the way. Let's get into the topic for today. And um, we've got a bunch of Masters guys sitting right here. We range anywhere from... Surratt. We're all Masters racers. Surratt, you're barely a Masters. Like, you're like... Just, <laughs> just, just barely. Just barely. Yeah. Just... You turned 41 this year? Uh, 42. Oh, 42. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I thought for some reason you turned 40 last year, but... Anyhow, and then uh, I'm. Yeah, How old are you? Forty six. Forty six. Yep. Do you turn fifty one pretty I turn soon? Fifty one in a month or something like that. Yep. And then our buddy across the table here, Mister Ian Gibson, mm. is Super recently uh, minted sixty year old, right? Yes. 60. Now the funny thing is, is I still swear that Ian's lying about his age, <laughs> so that he can retire <laughs> earlier. I, I'm dead serious, but it is amazing to me what. Ian Gibson can do on a bike. I'm not kidding, man. You're 60 years old, and if we're in a crit or a sprint race, I already know 
I'm the lead out guy. I am not the sprinter because Ian is the sprinter. I'm the guy that's going to try to lead Ian out. Well, so I still get a kick out of us going to races. Well, you put a, a helmet on Ian and a pair of sunglasses. You, you have no idea how can't tell. that you're 60 years old. Yeah, I would never guess that in a million years, but I love it when Ian hands some 20 something year old his lunch and just says, you're done, buddy. I just destroyed you and dropped you. And yeah, it's just awesome. What What is, what is your story? How did you get into, should we, Bike race. Say what the title of the the, the segment is, though. First, what? maybe they can't figure this out at, at this point. <laughs> uh, the, the the topic for today is just how to be a competitive masters racer. So that's uh, if you didn't catch that in the title. <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, I, uh, this is a, this is a simple answer. Quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was quit true. your job. Be independently wealthy, <laughs> and then you can be a successful masters yeah. racer. Okay, so I'm so maybe that's why I'm not. <laughs> Successful. <laughs> yes, you are. I would beg to differ. So back to Lance's question. Why don't you tell us a little bit about us, about you, um, in terms of like your 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 cycling background and and where you've come from and what you got going on. Right. Well, the accent says it all, right? I'm from the UK. Um, okay. I've been living here since '97. Uh, before that, I spent 14 years in the south of Germany, oh. and always ridden a bike, but. Um, uh, back in Germany, I did a couple of time trials and some mountain biking, uh, mountain bike racing, but uh, nothing really serious. And the whole road racing thing only happened for me probably five years ago now. So relatively new to the game. Was it the same season that I first met you? Was yeah. That, that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ian and I raced on another team together before we started dialed called Monster Media Racing. Uh, it's actually a pretty big club it's, it's team across they have the country. Several yeah. different chapters across yeah. the country. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I. I felt like it was time to push my riding to a new level, and that meant racing. And there was a guy local to me I was following on Strava, I was kind of stalking him on Strava, a guy called <laughs> Steve Remy. Yeah. Who He's been on the podcast before. Yeah, way oh, back in really? the day. Yeah, oh, probably yeah. like in the first like 10 or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was super inspiring. I mean, such a strong, strong sprinter. And he was running this team, Monster Media, and I was kind of following him on Strava. And, uh, just contacted him, say, hey, can I come out for a ride with you guys? And can I can I join in too? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we started racing that year, which would be 2015, 16. 16, yeah. That's where I met Jake. Yeah. And a um, bunch of other guys. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that, that came. That team's no longer here um, in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. At least I don't think they are. But um, there's quite a few teammates that, that you and I had during that that tenure. Yeah, on David Salzberg, David Hart. Yeah. Uh, well, those guys race for Pacific Office yeah. Automation, but it's a bunch of guys on our job, but just like good people that have been yeah. like really good friends since then. So, yeah. Yeah, I started it off, and then um, yeah, my big thing was racing at PIR, which is a circuit race. Correct. Lots of yep. drafting and sprinting, which yes. <laughs> suits me down to the yeah. ground. <laughs> Portland International Raceway, and those races are generally about an hour, right? Yeah. Yep. And yep. then just depending upon the, the time of year, they actually will let them go a little bit longer, but they can be as, as much as 30 miles, I think, at the pinnacle yeah. of the peak. Yeah, yeah. so something like 17, 18 laps works out at about yeah. 28, 29 miles. And, and then there's three or four... Preems in there. Preems. Yep. Just a nice little points race yeah. to go good out there and Good time and, and a really good um, scene there. I think that's what... That's what keeps me in it is is the social yeah. aspect as well yeah. as as, well, as much as everything, uh, you know, especially PIR uh, Tuesday nights. Just just a good time to meet sure. like-minded people and 
and man, the, the training effect that you get from those, that's hard to replicate oh, in any other yeah. scenario. Yeah. Yes. So it's yeah. a, it's a nice little workout cause you've got to put out in some Watts to, to hang on with those groups. Cause the, the three fours, the cat three fours, those guys are generally rolling about 26, 27 miles an hour. Yeah. The cat ones can be anywhere from 26 to 29 miles an hour for the whole race. Yeah. Upon yeah and it's a, a challenge. It is a challenge because, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, this is all about masters racing and, and Portland International Raceway, they don't have masters categories. Yeah, on a Tuesday, on they Tuesday, don't have it. Exactly. So you're, you're in the You're in the with kids. all the kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Helps keep you young. So how, what kind of a bike racer do you fashion yourself as? I know what you are, but why don't you tell everybody about <laughs> this? <laughs> well, Where do you um, excel the most and what do you love the most? Just shorter, um, intense efforts, sprints, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not a climber, too heavy, wrong muscle type. Um, so yeah, you're a good right. air. Uh, yeah, puncher. Yep, there you go. Um, fantastic circuit racer, fantastic crit racer. Yep, and still like you're throwing down some pretty stinking big watts. I mean, w you're seeing some big numbers still. I mean, wh where are you at? Do you want to share those with you? Is that a little too personal? No, it's not too personal. It's not that. It's really not a, that impressive. That's not how I've. If I've ever done well in a sprint, it's been mostly about getting in the right position and following the right wheel and and a little luck. I mean, if I pull out a thirteen hundred watt sprint, that is exceptional for me. That's that's absolute ceiling. So usually it's less than that. But yeah, but how many six-year-olds are doing that and with an ftp you're probably north of 300 with your ftp i mean how many 60 year olds lance do you know or chris do you know that are doing that kind of stuff none none <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah that's Ian's good it. so i mean you've got enough prowess about you and you've got enough like physical ability to go probably race at the national level and do really stinking well. Well, I'm hoping that nationals are going to happen this year, and uh, that's exactly what I'm planning on doing. The sure. road race? Yeah. National road race. Yeah, talk, I think it's Clay County, Florida, supposedly. Okay. okay. They're talking about mid-June, date to be announced. But um, So would you also do the crit, and would you also do the time trial as well? I mean, those are your wheelhouse. Not the time trial. <laughs> Not the time trial? Not even I hate time trials, and I suck at time trials. I feel you there, man. And if you do a time trial, um, there's nothing left in the tank. I mean, depending on the schedule, but sure. I could not. A couple of times I tried to do a crit after a time trial on the same day, and it's just miserable. Omnium gets you, huh? Yeah. 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 Gotcha. And cool. All right. Well, so let's let's get into the things that we want to talk about, the things that we think we need to be mindful of if we want to be successful at the master's level. Um, Lance, why don't you hit the first one up? Well, the first thing uh, I, I think is important for master's racers or how to become a competitive master racer is how you track your recovery or how important is recovery. What? So, Ian, what kind of things do you track or look at or how do you handle your recovery? It's kind of handled for me in a lot of ways. Uh, so I, I do have a coach, um, and she sets out my schedule, and she tells me when to rest. And I don't I know what that word means. What does that word <laughs> <you> mean? <laughs> what, does, what does rest two, mean? 240 I mean, days straight. 225. 225. Just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's what I think as a master's racer, that's 
probably you touched on probably one of the most important things and we as we get older we need more of it more rest so and it's easy not to take that rest you know you, you get into this mindset of the harder i train the more often i train the faster i'm going to get and it's just not true guilty think. yeah Surat, what do you say about that yeah, yeah i, I uh, kind, kind of the same, same thing, thing. i recovery as, as I, I get, get older is a bigger, bigger and bigger deal, deal. Um, you, know, you know i, I use, use a whoop and, and resting heart rate well, that's funny all three of us have whoops me and ian and Chris, we actually share our numbers with each other every day as well, but and, that's another and story. It's, it's a great guideline, <laughs> but, but one thing I've really had to do is if I get, I get on, on the bike and I'm supposed to do VO2 intervals, intervals. You, know, you know, I start and it's, it's just not there, then I just don't do it. And, you know, you know listening to your body, body as you get older, I think, I think is really important. Now, do you have a threshold when you're supposed to go do those VO2 efforts? Like, sometimes you'll get started and you're like, oh, this just does not feel good and then all of a sudden a you're like point. 15 minutes into it you're like yeah. oh you know what i actually feel pretty good and the next night you have a great session but do you have like a threshold that you look at like after this amount of time if i'm still not feeling it i'm pulling the plug yeah, yeah I, I warm up, up about 15, 15 minutes you know, you know if my heart rate and power aren't where i think, I think they, they should be, be if my, my legs just, just aren't feeling it, it then, then it's a recovery day or it's a zone two day, day. But it, 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 it takes 15 minutes to really get, get that, that feel. For me, I uh, I find that it's the second set of intervals. Yeah. It's halfway through the second set of intervals. The first one can always be daunting, but usually I get through the first set. If I'm halfway through the second set of intervals and it is not right, that's when I pull the plug. Gotcha. But if I get to that second point and I'm like, okay, I can see myself doing three more sets, I'm going to be okay. Gotcha. I'm the same way. I need to warm up for 20 minutes, though. And that's where I will know, like, all right, I need to pay attention to that exactly. Like, if I get through my first interval, I'm like, that was really crappy. I think I can do the second one. But if that second one kind of starts to feel bad, that's a pull the plug. That's that moment right there that I'm doing that. How about you, In? When do you know that you need to kind of pull the plug or do you just do it and think you you may have another kind of thing? The point is, you you really don't know when you first get on the bike how you're going to feel, right? sure. and it does take. I I always warm up for at least twenty minutes, and then, um, yeah, I roll into the first set, and if that feels good, I'll keep going. I think I agree with Lance on that. Yeah, but uh, you, you know, there's no uh, real indicator to. You may think, oh, today I'm going to crush it, and it's just not, and it just doesn't happen. And then other days, you you feel fatigued, you feel lethargic, no motivation, and then as soon as that warm up's done, then hey, it's happening. Yeah, so yeah. You don't know until yeah. you d- until you try. Gotcha. Right? What about what about sleep? Because you know, okay, yeah. this is one of the things that <laughs> Whoop does so good in in really helping you track your sleep and the quality of sleep you're getting and what factors help you with your sleep i know i know for me during my working career i used to pride myself on the least amount of sleep i could get by and still function if i could get three or four hours of sleep a night and still function boy that was like a badge of honor and now it is the complete opposite of that (laughs) i'm trying to get as much sleep as possible i know uh surat struggles with getting enough sleep because he has kids at home and a and a and a busy job and and ian struggled with sleep during this whole time when he was working third shift and traveling and and in a strange hotel bed for so many years how how do you guys 
How do you guys tackle that? Medicaid. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's the biggest struggle for me. And like you mentioned, I, I, I work some strange hours. Last year, I was on graveyard. I didn't finish work until 8 o'clock in the morning. And then three days off, and you, you, you can't switch over. Your body just doesn't adapt. Right. And th- the older you get, it seems like the harder it is to adapt. So, yeah, constant struggle. And uh, just this last couple of months, my work day started at five in the morning. I was sleeping in a, I was accommodated in a hotel. Yeah. And um, that was the biggest thing. And I look at my whoop strap in the morning once it had caught up, and it's like, yep, 30% recovered. And right. My sleep was in the <laughs> it toilet. Sleep That's good. So, but, but conversely, on, on the days where, um, it's showing that I got good sleep. It, it really, really makes a difference, definitely, yeah. performance-wise. What about you, Surat? And, and I'm, I'm, I, I totally, totally agree with Ian. Ian. You know, you know, if you, you can't, can't get consistency in your sleep, it's hard. You know, I have to force myself into a routine. You know, I'm, I go to bed like an 80-year-old man. I go at 8:30. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you know, and I, have I have to have this routine. No, no, no cell, cell phone. phone. You know, I, I kind of have, have to have this wind down routine, or I don't, I don't sleep at all. And, and that, that consistency is the only way, way I can do it. it. Even, Even then, I still struggle, and I, I, I feel, feel it when I struggle. Yeah. What about here's here's a question for you guys? Uh, we don't really have control over what your recovery number is from Whoop. What do you do on race days when you woke, wake up and you've got a trash recovery score? <laughs> Do better next time. Race, race and just do better race next anyway. Time. Yep. I just like I I like hesitate to even look at my whoop numbers yeah. on race morning because I'm like I don't if it's yellow or red I'm just gonna like freak myself out that I'm not gonna be good and so I I don't know yeah. what to do I don't know what you guys do. My only I recent experience of that is was last summer when I did a time trial I had to drive up to Seattle area and start time was ten in the morning or something and I'd. I was working graveyard, and um, uh, it, and it was the worst time trial I'd ever done. And I think it was because my body was so out of whack with not sleeping, yeah, or trying to sleep when I just wasn't used to it. And I sucked. <laughs> God, that time trial was the worst experience ever. So I think that the consensus is yes, sleep is way more important than I thought it was when I was younger, obviously. And as an athlete, how important sleep can be. Um, I, I think it's I think it affects older masters athletes a bit more yeah. than younger ones but maybe that's just because I'm and it's, it's hard, right in my it, face it's hard to get any good advice on what to do to sleep better it seems like if you watch a, any sort of documentary on um, insomnia which so many people suffer from it just keeps reiterating how important it is to get sleep and you're like right. I know Right. <laughs> right. Now I'm stressed I, and I I'm can't trying. go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever use a That's mask it. or earplugs? I always sleep with earplugs. Always yeah. sleep with earplugs. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I have to have white noise. Yeah, that that's too. because I've got really bad tinnitus from oh, yeah. back in the day when I got hit by that car. Yeah. White noise it is. If I don't have it, I have just massive ringing that I hear and it drives me absolutely bonkers. So and the white I'll noise separate on that. Yeah, exactly. So. What about you, Surat? I, I get, get just consistency, consistency. Dark, dark room. I, I need, need 
absolute, absolute silence. silence. Yeah, which, which you know, you know in, in a house, house of kids, kids and, and wives and, and dogs is sometimes, sometimes hard. Crazy. Huh? Do any of you guys use anything to help you sleep? Or um, after hard uh, training days, I sometimes take uh, Advil PM. Okay. Um, that's as that's as strong of a sleep aid as I take. I I guess I also use uh, CBD oil. I do do that. Um, I've been doing that for the last year or so, every day before I go to bed, and um, I, I that makes a difference as well to my quality of sleep. I guess. I've been taking. Yeah, yeah I, I use CBD and melatonin. melatonin and melatonin. And, and they, they help. Yeah. Hammer Nutrition has a product called REM Caps. Yeah. Which I take a couple of those every night, and that, they do help. I, I like that. Good. CBD, that's another good one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just I, I drink a lot of coffee. I love myself some coffee, and I just really have to make sure that I draw a line in the sand. Like, don't drink it past this time and, and just be good. Another thing that I'll have a problem with sometimes, too, is – I. I should be working out early in the morning. I should just get it done then, but there's just too many things going on, and I just want to be able to like not have to worry about like time constraints, and I want to be able to do what I want to do when I do it, <laughs> sure. if you will. So I will end up pushing my rides a lot of times to the evening, and sometimes that's one of those things where it takes, me, it, it takes me a little bit of time to come off of that. To so, wind down from that. And that's just one of those things that one of these days I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to reorganize my schedule and do things in a different fashion. That, that's kind of where I'm at. What's another one? What's another topic that we're going to cover here today, Lance, since you're the keeper of topics okay, today? Okay, so uh, um, coach or online plan, or how important is interval training for a master's athlete? Important. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, right. actually, Ian, you said that you use a coach. Yes. And uh, is she somebody local, is, or is it more like email support and check-in? Um, she's not local. She's over on the East Coast, um, in, uh, somewhere in Washington, D.C. And she was actually, uh, coach of, uh, our friend, uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers oh, yeah. okay. Yep. Passed away, sadly. Um, it, she was his coach for a long time. He was a, a, a huge inspiration to me as an athlete. And, um, I went to him asking about coaching and he turned me on to her. So, uh, everything's done through training peaks, uh, and it, works out really well so it's, it's really coaching light she's not you know she's not watching me ride she's not we're not calling each other every day it's she'll write out a plan uh, I'll do the workout she'll provide feedback uh, and so on so we have a good relationship I've never met her um, yeah but it's awesome it really really helps me uh, the accountability keep, helps yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And easy to, to change your plan or routine if you decide to throw a race in there that wasn't planned for. Yeah. Yeah. As long as, um, as long as she knows, like I told her this week, you know, the team now, you know, we're having these rides on Wednesday. I'm like, you know what, if the, if the weather looks decent and the traffic's not too yeah, bad coming yeah. over, I want to do these rides with the guys and she's all right. Just let me know. Pencil it in. Okay. So, so how, flexible how different would you be in terms of like your fitness and your ability as a racer at six years old right now? How different would you be without her? I would struggle more. Yeah. Uh, um, Probably wouldn't have a 1300 yeah. watt pop. 
<laughs> on super rare occasions that's yeah like you said she it it holds you accountable um i i would probably end up working harder and getting lower performance figures because it, you just the whole efficiency of working with a coach is is key you know you the bang for your buck, the amount of gain you get for the hours you put in is greater, I think, with somebody monitoring your um, workouts. Yeah. Definitely. Gotcha. Now, Lance, you're not using a coach, but you're no. using the next best thing. You've been on Trainer Road. I've been on Trainer Road for a year and a half Still or something loving like that. It? I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I have myself set up on the high volume, you know, one of their high volume plans. Yeah. And I still only do maybe half of the workouts during the week. I don't do all the workouts. Um, uh, mostly because I, I want to go ride with my friends too. Yeah. And, and they're, they're pretty much, they do, ha you can do them outside. It's not quite the same to do them outside. They're way more, the, these interval workouts are way more efficient to do on a trainer. Sure. Um, Which is your favorite, right? Yeah, which I can't stand. So, but I will say it has it has had a lot to do with my my growth as an athlete and me getting faster over this last uh, couple of years is doing these trainer road workouts. Um, it's definitely made me faster, even though I haven't followed it 100%, and I've done way too much. Well, I've, there's been some criticism in the last couple of months there has on, been on trainer roads high volume plans that yeah that's it's, it's too too intense right. it can break you down and do too much not sustainable yep. yeah they're actually in the process of changing that yeah. moving to an adaptive training program where there's actually some ai that helps pick you yeah uh your workouts depending on what you've actually done but that is not released to the whole to every user just yet Still in beta. It's a slow rollout for that. They've sure. just announced it, yeah, because there's going to be many issues with bugs with Oh, I imagine so, yeah. yeah. Now, Lance is basically utilizing half of his program that's being prescribed to him. What would your coach say to you? If I, yeah. If, if you only did half of the <laughs> workouts, would she call you out on that? Would she, yeah, does she do absolutely. a really good job of holding you accountable? She does. Okay. But I'm, I'm pretty accountable to myself as well. So I, she has commented numerous times how well I stick to her oh, yeah. plan yeah I, I see all your and rights that, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that definitely helps if i had a person to uh to respond to i i would be way more i would stick to the plan way better <laughs> well i mean you, you know you you pay your money and you take your choice right if you yeah, right. if you have a trainer or subscription for what 20 bucks a month it's 15 bucks a month 15 i think bucks a month yeah it, it's gonna be a kind of a one-size-fits-all approach whereas right i pay just over 200 bucks a month and i think it's it's money well spent if if you can get if you can add that to the budget you know if you can afford that sure um, that actually seems like a bargain i it, mean my it, triathlon days i paid 400 bucks a month for a coach oh, yeah another reason not to do triathlon <laughs> 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 yeah i mean you know there's there's different obviously different levels of coaching and uh, i'm on the coaching light yeah plan for sure yeah, yeah. But still, it holds me accountable, and uh, and like we were talking about earlier on, uh, one of the, the biggest benefits is she knows when I need to rest before I know when I. So need to I was rest. just going to ask can you can see that. the trends, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. I was yeah. going to say, what are the metrics that she is using to identify and say he needs to come off a little bit? 
I mean, it's she, not like she a... looks at the metrics as, but then she looks for feedback from you as well. So it's if, if you want to get the most out of the coaching program, you have to provide the coach with the feedback. So right, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll finish a workout and I'll I'll put a whole bunch of comments in there. This is how I felt. This is this is how I did today, and and then yeah, she's going to look at my heart rate, power numbers. Good. Cool. Chris, uh, some of the YouTube people are telling us that we're getting a little bit of feedback on your microphone. I'm going to try something. So for some reason you go quiet. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll turn it back on. But um, what are you doing in terms of measuring your uh, your recovery? I, 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 for quite, quite a few years, years, I worked with Steve Long from Winslow Coaching in Portland. Um, and that, that was great. great. You know, I had, I had someone, someone to keep an eye on me to... You know, you know, listen, listen to my, my feedback, kind of help me keep me focused on my, my goals because I had a tendency to just go and go and go. And, and you know, Steve would kind of step, step in and say, you know, maybe, maybe it's time, time to back off just a little bit. bit. And uh, COVID hit and I decided, decided I just wanted to ride my bike. So I kind of quit using a coach and... Now I'm really feeling like, like it's probably time to go back. back. You know, I, I, I really need somebody to keep me accountable and, and someone to keep an eye on that recovery. And because I, I don't do it very well. well. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Go, go, go. You've been hanging out with Hepler too much. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> well, let me, while I'm on here, let me plug Susan Heffler from Heffler Performance Coaching. Heffler? Heffler. Heffler. Heffler and Hepler. I believe it's Hepler Heffler. and Heffler. Right. <laughs> Does she have a website? Or is it just... Yeah, but it's yeah, a rudimentary website. Gotcha. The H, I think it's HPC Coaching, I believe. Gotcha. Cool. Um, what's next? Hep. Nutrition. Eat all the food. <laughs> as much as you want. And, and would you say extra butter is not what you're eating? That's Surratt. Surratt's the butter fiend. Butter <laughs> for every meal. <laughs> kind of like beans. That's the secret. Okay, so how important is this for a master's athlete? Oh, 100%. I guess for any athlete it really is fairly important. I mean, those are the basic building blocks. That's that's You've got you've to have that stuff in order to, you know, be able to top off your glycogen stores to repair yep. you, know, you gotta have the amino acids to repair muscle that's broken down you gotta you gotta have all this stuff otherwise you can put yourself in a big pit and you're not gonna ever make any gains especially uh, as a, a master's racer yeah we're starting to deal with less uh hormones and, and testosterones and whatnot so obviously this is a this is an this is a topic that is paramount in my life i guess yeah. more or less nutrition be has become very important to me i have struggled with my weight most of my adult life um, like uh, Chris has, I think we've learned Chris's story as well. Um, but um, I, I know that watching what I eat and what things are going in and what things are going to help my training has has made a huge difference. Yeah. Um, I haven't been shy about sharing that I went vegan about a year and a half ago, yep. and it it actually changed my endurance life quite a bit. There's a lot of athletes that have done the same thing. A lot of athletes who are definitely in the master's category that have gone that route and yes. just speak volumes about it. So, yeah. but in your opinion though, do you think that that works for every single person? No, nope, it doesn't. Yeah. Some people, it, I mean, 
every anything you use and do is very individualized. For me, I I thought this would I would not be able to get enough protein, that I would not get enough amino acids or building blocks into my system, that I'd be short on calcium and yeah. you know iron, all these things that you don't get you know in a vegan diet, and um, I feel fantastic. <laughs> I feel great, so it it has it is it is agreed with me. My wife went vegan with me. It is not agreed with her as much as it has with me. That's how kind of individualized it can. So be. where does she stray from the, the the true vegan diet? My wife? Yeah, I'm not gonna rat her out. <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> I think that like my family. I mean, that, that that's kind of we don't we're not vegan. Not by any means at all, but yeah. we kind of use that as like the foundation. And and I'm I don't think that you have to like completely omit every single last little thing. But right. there's certain things that we will still integrate in there. Like we maybe have red meat like a couple times a year. Yeah, but we don't. It's not in our our normal routine. It's not a part of our normal diet. We right. have fish quite often. So I probably like we're <laughs> vegan with a touch of pescatarian in there. I don't know. It's just <laughs> right. like whatever. I mean, we we could probably sit down and define it and give it its own little category. But really, at the end of the day, it's about not eating processed food. Yeah, and it's about watching what you eat and what you eat or when you eat it and how much you eat. And, yeah, you know that that's a big part of us. And just whole foods, unprocessed, yeah. clean, organic, all that kind of stuff and just not eating too much of it. That works really well for my family and that that's, you know, that's kind of where we've been at. My vices are getting soda and candy. I still <laughs> drink soda and I still eat candy occasionally. Yeah. Quite more more than I should. So. Sure. But I you know, I this diet for me was I was very influenced by local athletes who were vegan uh, national athletes who were vegan, like like the vegan cyclist Tyler yeah. Pierce, and um, and what's what's the other guy's name? I think he eats plant based as well. Um, Dylan Johnson. Oh, okay. I, I think he's plant based as well. Okay. So I mean, those are big YouTubers that um, are phenomenal cyclists and and kind of eat plant based as well. And so I thought, okay, well, I I need to try this to see if. I can catch up to these other older 50-year-olds yeah. that I was trying to compete with in the cyclocross ranks, and it's working for me. Gotcha. How about you, Ian? What do you, what do you subscribe to in the nutrition category? What's your deal? Well, I don't eat a lot of meat. Uh, I try to eat quality meat when I do chicken um, mostly, but I, I don't eat a lot. I, I don't really have a um, macro plan for nutrition. I, I snack too much. I like chocolate too much, <laughs> more than the occasional glass of wine. Um, so, and and actually, I, I lost a whole bunch of weight. I lost ten pounds or so um, this time last year, but it's all come back on. And I really haven't dropped off the wagon completely. Um, but obviously, my caloric are you in, sure you gained weight, or did your calves just get bigger <laughs> and chiseled? He's just monster no, calves. I, think it, <laughs> I, I have calf uh, envy. i think i think more important well not more important but alongside this sort of macro discussion on nutrition is this concept of fueling for your rides sure eating the right thing on the morning or during the rides and that's something that i'm always trying to tweak like what is the best way to fuel up on the day or um, when when so give us an example what what is your go-to before like let's say a big race or a big training ride or something like that and that's going to change obviously because there's a difference between like an hour and a half race versus like a four or five hour training ride but 
in general? Well, I don't know. Yesterday was a um, not a race, but it may as well have been. It was a fast group ride, sure. uh, 60 miles, um, race pace, basically. And I, I had a plate of potatoes before I left, <laughs> which I don't usually have potatoes for breakfast, but I figured the carbohydrates would be good. Usually um, fry up an egg and put it on there. But yeah. That's not my usual diet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I bef- I before any big Take ride or big race, I have oatmeal with berries and nuts on it every time. I so thought it was Skittles and Rockstar. <laughs> Skittles and <laughs> Monster. It's Monster, Monster, Monster and sorry. And Skittles. No. I have oatmeal with berries and nuts. Yep. yep. How about you, Chris? Um, I, I, Lance, Lance kind of hit on, on it. it. I, think I think there's, there's a lot, lot of good diets and nutrition, nutrition plans, plans out there, there and they, they don't, don't work, work for every person. person. Yep. You know. Really, really, I, I focus, focus on clean, non-processed, whole foods. Um, I'm, I know, I know it doesn't work for everyone. everyone. I'm a big, big proponent of intermittent, intermittent fasting. fasting. You know, you know, I eat within a six-hour six window every day, and, and, and that, that works great for me. But, but I, you know, at the same, same time, it, it doesn't, doesn't work for everyone else. How long have you been doing the intermittent fasting, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, two, two or three, three years, years now. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you, you've got an incredible story on weight yeah. weight management, don't you? Yeah, uh, I, I struggled, struggled with weight for a long time. time. Um, I, I at one, one point, point got, got up to 388 pounds. Um, so, so I've I've, I've had, had my struggles, and uh, it, it, it comes, comes down, down to finding what works for you, and that's the the key. Fast forward so, to today, and Chris Surratt's probably rolling around what one eighty five ish, give or take yeah, a pound. Ish, ish. And then he's yeah. also been the well, he's the reigning was it bar three best all around uh, racer for Cat Three. Yeah, for yeah. the state of Oregon, uh, what two years in a row? And then you were the same thing in the Cat Four and the Cat Five. You've, you've won that award quite a few times, and you've had a lot of race success. Won the, the bar for five. Straight. Five straight years. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's just absolutely bonkers. And Chris, to this day, is just out there crushing people. And he's such a yeah. big turbo diesel that yes. I don't know. <laughs> I, want, I want to be like Chris Surratt when I grow up. <laughs> oh, I remember doing a team time trial with Chris Surratt, and he rode off my wheel, and I puked on myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that, too. <laughs> that was a fun race, so... I had no business being there. <laughs> Could not hold that position. My shoulder is still to this day flipping me off, but crazy. Cool. All right, let's let's uh, let's get into a few more of these things before we wrap this thing up. What else you got on that list there, Okay, um, what about h- how important is race strategy for a master's racer? Okay, that's a ridiculous question. It's super important. For all but racers, but for, for all racers. For us, yeah, go ahead. So for master's racers, what, what do you think are the most important things as far as race strategy? Ian. Well, <laughs> it depends on it depends on the type of race and, and what your role in it is. Or, I mean, to me, for me, if I need to, um, if if it comes down to a fast finish, then it's just about conserving as much energy as I can while uh, up until the line. Um, yes. But I, yeah, I think as as you get older, and your pure performance is gonna. Uh, degenerate and st- strategy 
becomes more and more important, right? If you Especially don't in a, in a sprint finish, like I, I just don't have the horsepower numbers that some of the younger guys have. Um, you know, in, in a straight up drag race, I, I, I'm going to lose every time. So it absolutely comes down to whose wheel are you going to be on and that yes and where you're at in that race you know one kilometer out two kilometers out uh, especially on the amateur races that we have where you know you're only you're you're only afforded half the road width really center line rules yeah um you can get blocked out of finishing well so easily mm-hmm. you know you you've got to be thinking about the finish line miles in advance and uh, if you're not smart you, you just no matter how much horsepower you can pull off, you're not going to get anywhere. Right. right. I think it's really important to know yourself. you got to really know how many bullets you have in the chamber. Yeah. You can't just take this stuff like all willy-nilly. Like You have to have a really good idea of like how many times you can burst and how long it's going to take you to recover, how many watts you can hold for all of the different distances, and you've got to constantly be conscious of that and keep that in the back of your head if you want to be able to have the best possible showing. Because if, you, if you're not managing that, you're going to get popped. It's just it's just going to happen. Yeah. And, that, you, and sometimes no matter how many times you tell yourself that, you you fall victim to your own adrenaline, right? Correct. Yeah. Like yesterday, I saw these guys go off the front and then this super strong guy started chasing them and I'm like, I'm going to get on that chase up to that guy's wheel. And I never made it. And by the time the group came past me, I would pop straight off the back. And <laughs> yes, he was over yes, the yes. shooting all his bullets. Like, yep. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, I knew it, but the adrenaline takes over. Yeah. So. Hey, and if you don't actually have a race strategy, then that's your, that's your strategy. <laughs> so it's important to kind of think about the race and what you're doing and, and know going in. Case in point, this mountain bike race, I knew – for, I knew I could hold my effort for a certain amount of time for an hour and a half. So the whole strategy for me was get to the single track yeah. first. <laughs> if I can get to the single track first, I was going to have well, sure, a good shot. Well, sure, you're much less likely to get held up by other riders. If yes. You, if you're first in. Yeah. So that that was that was part of my, you know, strategy. Then again, I also know if a race is longer than four or four and a half hours, I'm worthless. So I, I kind of have to pick my races accordingly. I try not to do stuff that's more than four hours because I know that that's not my forte. Yeah. That's where it starts to get good. That's for, wow. See, that, see Surrett knows that about himself. He, like, he like kicks on at, you know, hour six and seven. I, it's amazing what Surratt can do at hour six and seven. I can't do that. He's the turbo yeah. diesel, man. Yeah. The Albany animal. She's <laughs> just... I was watching a, a documentary on GCN Plus yesterday about the Donegal 555, 555 kilometers. It's a nope. 24-hour race. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> yeah, you would like it, yeah. That's funny. Ah. Race strategy is definitely a big one, and, and I think at the end of the day, too, is keep your expectations tampered don't think that you're going to go out and and win every race or podium in every race like just really select just a few work with teammates and and take some glory in helping others out as well absolutely that that right there sometimes is just as like gratifying or just as fun as actually landing on the podium yourself but you know if you know that you're going into a race and you know that you only have a certain amount of work to do that's a lot more 
manageable for me at least to think like all right i know that i have to do x and and it, there's not all these 50 other variables that i have to be keeping track of and all these 50 other efforts that i have to put yes. in and i know that i can recover and then I'm, i can keep my eyes set on that one prize as opposed to trying to win all races right. i uh um I, i'm certainly best at cyclocross stuff or very technical stuff yeah. i'm way better at that so when i do a road race i'm I'm there for my teammates. Yeah. I want to use myself up for my teammates because I don't really have too many road race aspirations because I'm just not as good at that as I am for the, you know, more technical stuff. So I, I'm just super happy. We're fortunate that we're on a team that has many solid masters racers and we can utilize that. Plan accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> so. That kind of takes us into our next uh, little bit here of just keeping things in perspective. And, and I really just want to see how you guys keep things in perspective and what that means to each of you uh, as it pertains to being a good master's racer. So, Lance, how do you... Man, how do you... I just don't take it too seriously. Yeah. We're, we're a bunch of amateurs out here just having fun. Don't get too wrapped up in it. Don't take it too seriously. You know, people are hassling me about about sandbagging and I just hassled them all right back because it's just because it's it's we're out here for fun we're just out here sure. for fun so sure. and that is what it is at the end of the day I mean we're not getting a paycheck from any of this um <laughs> might win a few bucks in a, a preem or something like that now and then but just having fun with it and going out there and having a good time yes and mixing it up I, I think for me that that's super important but the other thing is Starting to get to that that space where, like, well, before I got hit by the car, I was starting to notice this even. I don't want to keep talking about that. But I, I could still go out there and hang with those those younger people you know, all the way up until you're, like, in your early 40s. And then you start to notice little things are just a little uh -huh. bit more difficult. Yeah. And now, if you play your cards right and if you're chasing a stop-ahead sign or you're in a short crit race and you, you you're get a little bit more, like, craftiness in you than that younger racer does, then you can play that to your advantage and you might have a good result because of that. But you've got to constantly remind yourself that, you know, you're just not that person anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. We all get older. And I just have to then compare myself to you <laughs> and you and you, Chris. Right, right. Although Chris isn't fair because he's still playing with a, a young man's body, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so keeping it in perspective that way, not comparing yourself to the, the younger crowd and not trying to be young. Um, right. Yeah. That for me, that that's my big thing. So how about you guys? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all about fun. fun. You yep. know, at the, the end of the day, we get to play in the sun on expensive carbon toys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know there's, there's, there's bigger, bigger problems in the world. Yeah, our first world so, problems don't really mean that much, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the fun. But it is more fun to be near the front of the bunch. It's more fun to be able to hang with your riding buddies without getting dropped and working so hard that, you know, you, the, you lose the fun. So if you can get your fitness to a level where you can ride comfortably with your peers, yeah, have a good time, you know, do work on the front, sprint for those stop signs, it's great. But yeah. at, at a certain point, you're going to have to face the reality that you're doing well for your age and yeah. not, yeah. right. you know. Well, so we talk about these stop-ahead signs. We talk yeah. about that stuff all the time, and that's where our team gets to go out and mix it up. And I'm generally not racing against Ian in a, in a bicycle race because, well, A, we're on the same team, so we're not racing against each other. We're going to try and help each other out, but he's generally going to be in a different category than I am. So yeah. we're not usually racing against each other 
unless we're on a team ride or a group ride and we're out there chasing those top head signs and not for nothing i always keep a mental note where in the heck is ian gibson at because i know that guy is crafty and i know he's got pop in him and i know that he will explode on a moment's notice so when we're chasing those and we're trying to tick off or check off a box of like i got that one i need to know where you're at the difference is after the stop sign, when you keep going and I'm slumped over my <laughs> handlebars. <laughs> oh, those are fun times, and, yeah. and those are moments that I I almost have more fun doing that than I do racing bicycles, just because it's so stinking fun. And so enjoy the process. Yeah, you exactly. got to enjoy the, the the training too, getting out there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's just my two cents. What else do you guys do to keep things in perspective? Anything else before we wrap this thing up? Bueller. I just tell my, my, my kids, keep it in perspective for me. They're like, they could care less <laughs> about my dumb little bike yeah. races. They're happy if I'm doing well, but really, I mean, it's bike racing. <laughs> it's really not that big a deal. It's just, right. we just think it's a big deal. Gotcha. All right, so going back to this question, how to be uh, a competitive master's racer. If you guys could just like give me your top three things for you. I know that I'm putting you on the spot right here, but, but we're going to wrap this thing up. I just want to know, like, wh- how is it that you guys, because I, I, I honestly feel everybody sitting at the table here is a pretty stinking competitive master's racer, racing anywhere between cat three and up, we'll say. I used to be a cat too, but I, I don't get it because <laughs> I'm broken. <laughs> broken. <laughs> um, Chris, what are some of your top three things? Or even just a couple um, things I, that are most important to you. I think, I think you, know, you know, keeping perspective, you know, if it's, it's not, not fun, you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing it. Gotcha. Um, and, and, you know, know kind of find, find a way to, to measure your improvement that's not based on someone else. You know, there's Good. always going to be somebody that's faster. Yep. But, but you know, find, find a way that you can improve yourself. Um, and, and, yeah... Uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's, that's that's good enough. How about you, In? I don't crash. Don't crash. Yeah, I live in fear of crashing and breaking myself. <laughs> gotcha. Um, you you just have to. The reality is to stay in shape each year. It seems like you have to work harder at it. And uh, I reached the point where I'd done so many bike rides that going getting stricter. Um, getting on a program, doing um, structured training wasn't really a sacrifice. It was just the next level. And and maybe that's one of the things you have to do to, to, to stay competitive. You know, you talk about staying competitive and that's and that's being smart about your training and, and getting the most out of it for the hours you put in. Because, you know, apart from uh, Mr. Heplin here, uh, most of us have to work for a living True. and have limited limited time. So uh, make the most of the, the time you have, you know, organize your uh, training as efficiently as you can. Don't, yep. you know, no junk miles, right? There or, you go. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Hep? Uh, three things, interval training, yep. proper recovery, proper nutrition. I think those three things will make more oh. of a, an an impact on a master's race than anything. Yeah. I'll agree with everything that you guys said. And I'm just going to add two things to this one. You just have to stay consistent no matter what, even if you're not racing, just stay consistent with everything that you're doing. Cause I think that that's super important for a myriad of reasons. Um, if it's not being competitive, it's just keeping yourself fit and healthy. I mean, I see too many people that are in their forties, fifties and sixties that just 
they fall off the wagon. They don't keep themselves fit. They make poor life choices. And the next thing you know, we're hearing about illness and disease yeah. and even, you know, sometimes death. I mean, that, that scares the, you know, what out of me, <laughs> uh, just thinking about like what could go wrong with me if I decide not to ride bicycles anymore. And I think there's something that, that's super important about that. And then the other thing is surround yourself with like-minded people, having those like-minded good influences around you. Like, like what if I like to hang out with people that, you know, were into like, I don't know, making beer and, and, you know, right. Barbecuing and, and just being sedentary and just football and like all these other things. Like not that those are bad things, but if, if in excess, and that's usually like for me, I'll, I'll gravitate towards one thing that I really like glom onto. And that, that's my thing. That's bikes, you know, for me. But if that, if it weren't bikes, it were one of those other things, I'd be a completely different human being. I'd be sitting here probably, you know, twice as big as I am now, and that would be not pretty. <laughs> Seriously, and just not in a healthy state of mind. But I've surrounded myself with like-minded people, looking at all of you guys across the table and on the interwebs over there, <laughs> Mr. Surratt. And you guys motivate me because I want to keep up with you. I want to go out there and have fun because I've had that fun with you guys, and we've gone out there, we've mixed it up, and I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. That, to me, yeah. is, like, super important. That's a important. good point, yeah. So that that that's kind of my little summary of this thing. I think this was a fun little conversation and a fun little topic. So, all right, we're gonna jump into one last thing. So, Ian, what the way that this works? You've probably never listened to the podcast before, have you? Garbage, rubbish. Nobody got time for that. Um, this is where you get to say just one last thing, just a real quick little quip. I won't start with you. I'll let you no, think yeah. of something, but it's just your parting thought, and it can be about anything. So, uh, Chris, I'm gonna start with you. One last thing. Sure. Uh, so, so it's, it's March, March, but Nike teams are already forming. So, so if you've got, got a kid that's interested, interested in mountain bike racing, racing this fall. Find, Find a, a Nike team. team. Yes. Now. Excellent. Nike team. Nike. It's the National, National Inter Interscholastic. It, it, it's, something it racing. stands for for kid mountain bike racing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nike. <laughs> KMR. <laughs> KMBR. So, right on. Hep. One last thing. I am. I am. I'm confused about what I should do this weekend. Ask me. I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> There's actually a cyclocross race on Saturday and a mountain bike race on Sunday up in the Puget Sound area of Seattle. Both of them? There's one on Saturday, one on Sunday. What's the mountain bike race format? It's uh, it's the similar to what I've been doing before, roughly an hour and a half. Um, time trial? Yeah, time trial format. Part of a series? It's part of a series. Do you have series points? Yes, I do. Do you have any ability to win, win said series or at least land on the podium? Maybe land on the podium, but I missed mm. the first two. Probably not. No, probably not. Do your math on that one. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I think that if you go up and do the cyclocross, I think that would be good because it's uh, kind of supported by some local people here. It it's is. part of the WSBA thing. Kevin Highland, is it? I Kevin think Highland is doing the, 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 the course design. Set up, and he's trying to promote it down here. I've yep. seen a few th things, which would be good. You want to support that kind of stuff. And I think that that kind of really sets the table for cyclocross. That's your jam, dude. Yeah. But, but... Be mindful of that back. If my back's not feeling better, I'm skip it because the real important race is in two weeks, which is Mudslinger. Mud yeah. yeah. If you can go and do it, probably just pick one. Don't kill yourself. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna ignore all that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, my one last thing is Lance and I have been doing a little bit of this playing around with these uh, Garmin and Wahoo devices. We've both been using Garmin for many, many years. Yep. Many years. As a matter of fact, I saw this thing pop up in my time hop thing of a picture of a Garmin Edge 305 that I sold nine years ago and I had it for two years. So I've been using a Garmin device for 11 years now. I did <laughs> oh, the math wow. this morning. That's a lot. Literally, I'll show you later on when we're done here. But um, he and I have been playing around with the Wahoo Element Roam. And I got to say, I'm. I'm pretty pretty impressed. I like it more that after I've used it for a while. Yeah, but we don't want to give away too no. much because we're going to put out a video on that, and I think that we're going to try and get that summarized uh, this week, and we'll have a video coming out, hopefully if I can get my ducks in a row, this coming week, and so you guys can check that out. If anybody's been on the fence, we can kind of help answer some questions yeah, maybe can. yeah we can answer questions <laughs> so yeah. that'll be coming out um and then our, our boy matt legrand who's not on the show with us today and evan price is not on the show today evan had his stuff going on and he just wasn't going to be here until i think he's probably here he might even be floating around somewhere i but, haven't seen him yet, yet yeah and then uh matt was tied up with work related stuff yep. but matt's been putting out consistently great great content he put out his uh heart rate uh monitor uh video which yeah. was hilarious it had a great intro you need to go all watch it yep and then uh, this morning he released another one about the top 10 pro triathlete channels youtube channels yes. that you should be following yeah, yeah that's a good one so if you want to check out matt's stuff you can go to youtube.com forward slash m legrand other than that i think that's it guys i think that's a wrap um really wanted to should say we do ian's one last thing Ian, did, did you do one last thing? No, I didn't. Oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> Ian, do one last thing. Uh, my one last thing is a shameless plug for the weekly Sunday morning rides out on Salvi Island. Oh, if idea. you live in the Portland metro area, um, South Washington, and you enjoy riding, road riding, fast in a group, and you're comfortable riding in a group situation right now, um, not everybody is. Would you say that that's a good place for people to go out there and learn about bike racing that maybe don't have a lot of experience? Only or do you if, think if, if you can hang with the group? Yeah. If you've got the fitness but you don't have the skills, do you think that's a good place or do you think it's probably better for them to seek that out somewhere else? That's a good question. I mean, they're super nice guys. They are. Um, uh, but it is kind of expected that um, you, get you know how to ride in a group. Mind yourself, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, no. Come out and try it out, and and then if you do get popped off the back, if you can't hang on the pace, um, the the routing around the island is uh, is such that you can just go you know go ride in the opposite direction and join on on the next lap. So yeah, it's really good. Uh, I will say during the month of April they are halting the ride on the swapping. It's going to be a, a Hag Lake That's Sunday right. morning. They're moving route. it to Hag Lake. They're just going to try a different place. Yes. Try a different place. Gotcha. Laps around Hag Lake yeah. instead of laps around Sabi Island. And yeah. I don't have the details on that. David Root, I guess, um, would know more. Uh, but uh, as far as the Salvi ride goes, it meets at 9 a.m. at Q Coffee in um, downtown the, Portland. The Pearl the, District. The yeah. Pearl District. They've got a Facebook, Sunday morning. Facebook group yes. as well that's a close one. You can go and, and you know, re, you know join that and they'll let you in and whatnot. But that's yeah. uh, the Savvy Worlds. Yeah. yeah. And uh, spell Savvy. It's not like Savvy. It's Salvi. S-A-U-V-I-E. Yes. Worlds. So you can check out that group um, and go request to join that and get more details yeah. and they'll post up all of the, the right details there. Yeah. And I believe they've, they've got a, a, a Strava group as well that you can kind of get some information but i don't know how active they are with posting those rides or not so cool awesome 
I think that's about it. Boys. That's it. If uh, if you guys want to learn anything more about the Dow Podcast, go to DowPodcast.com. You can see all the fun stuff there. We really appreciate everybody listening. We will see you all next week. Bye for now. Bye.